Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date, evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, coaches, parents of athletes, or any active person looking to improve their fitness or athletic ability. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and I have Grace Lennox on as a co-host today. Our guest interview is Kevin Dixon, who used to be a former collegiate swimmer himself, as well as an assist swim coach. He's actually my coach, um, so does a lot of training himself still, knows a lot about this kind of stuff. So first, if you could just have a general background about yourself, and then we can kind of go more into it uh, from there. Cool. Um, so I'm from Scotland, and I was a swimmer growing up. Did a ton of other athletics and everything, running, tennis, football, which is soccer, which is the biggest sport, <laughs> um, which football. I played until I was about 14, broke my arm and ended up just taking swimming full time because I was doing really well at that and ended up getting a scholarship to New York, which led to swimming there for four years, coming back home, but then coming and being a grad assistant at EIU, where I met you guys, um, where I met mm-hmm. Patrick, being your coach for the whole time, and Grace when I was doing an internship as part of my degree and everything like that. Um, so really, everything stemmed from swimming, got into training after that, um, and it was just like weight room and everything was part of just athletics from when I was about 16 years old. I would say overall pretty average athlete, but you know I like to play sports from when I was uh, when I was doing everything. So that's my I mean my rough background. As soon as I finished swimming, I got straight into lifting weights. Kind of transitioned when I was about twenty years old. I was like I would rather lift weights than swim because I was a sprinter, um, and that just kind of grew and got into what I do now, which is why I just lift weights and do stuff, eat food. <laughs> yeah, eat food and lift weights. That's kind of the way we're going. <laughs> All right, so first thing let's talk about here is just kind of the college setting in general and the like NCAA being the different perspectives of being an athlete um, and a coach. So you kind of have two of them. So just with factors of overtraining, how the whole system runs, what works, what doesn't, and just, just kind of that because, I mean, um, a lot of people – they're, we're going to start working with the club, and um, they're going to might want to go and be an NCAA athlete uh, or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, as an athlete, I really didn't understand it. You know, I was just sitting looking for guidance on nutrition mm-hmm. training. I assumed the coaches knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> um, so when I came over, that's that's what I was looking for. Because coming from the UK background, I had two people that swam in my high school. We didn't have a team. We didn't have, like, it was just a few people that did it, and we had coaches outside that were club. I wanted to come to a system where I thought the coaches were better, I thought the facilities were better. Um, And now having been on the other side of that and knowing just how little some coaches kind of know about it, um, it's kind of weird, really, because you're putting – you think you have done this sport for your entire life and you know it all, and then you get to, like, college settings, and they're like – running through peaking programs of getting yourself tapered nutrition and things Mm -hmm. that really I knew nothing about nutrition when I swam, which is like a huge, huge regret because I'm looking at like how I ate. I just ate everything in sight (laughs) because I was a swimmer. Yeah, that's true. That's Um, usually the swimmer diet. (laughs) And like, then I was coaching you guys and I was like, no, you guys need to track this. You need to know this. You need to consume the right stuff. 
and I would get frustrated at the people that were like, oh, I, I'm just going to go eat this and do this instead. And I'm going to take the day off because I need it. And it was just, um, it was, it was strange in that saying. Um, but as far as overtraining, I had no concept of that either. When I was, when I was swimming, it was like the more I do the better. I had a really old school coach. She was about 70 years old and she wanted you to be in the water as much as possible. Uh, yeah. we, we would do our Saturdays were like nine hour training sessions. So you would do Jeez. a three hour practice. You'd eat lunch. You would do an hour of land circuits and then you would do another three hour practice. And it was just, On a Saturday? Jeez. yeah, cause we didn't, um, we didn't have like the facilities to come in and do morning training. So, uh, okay, okay. she would just try and make up for it all in one day because we didn't train <laughs> oh, for those, yeah, that's good. those few morning sessions. Oh. So it was really like just, uh, the more I train, the better I'll get. And that was all I had in my head. And that carried over to, to everything I did. Like after college, you know, from knowing me when I first got to EIU, I was training like seven days a week in the gym. Yeah. And that was just a, the way my brain had been conditioned. Stemming was, from college and athletes. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the more you do, the better you'll get. So that was drilled into me the whole time. Um, never really took in the concept of rest and recovery which is huge and especially for someone like a swimmer that is doing so much volume in the pool and then also has to do some sort of strength-based stuff um whereas there's other sports where like basketball for instance that grace was doing like you can take a day where you maybe just work on drills that are going to help you a lot but they maybe don't take a ton out of you um Mm -hmm. swimming it's just very few and far between days that you get like that. Even <laughs> a little bit different. You have to warm up enough to be able to do the a certain session. Practice is condition. <laughs> yeah. The practice is conditioning. And although you're conditioned to that, like you know, you get in and do a thousand warm up. It's completely different than a non-swimmer doing a thousand warm up. But it's yeah. uh, it's just different. And I feel like there's a huge disconnect with some coaches between the weight room and the the pool or the the court or the track. Any, or any sport, honestly. Yeah, it's they're all trying to be the one that improves the athlete, and yeah. by doing that, it's kind of in competition. Um, and you get some coaches that are great at it and great at managing it and realizing that their athletes are um, kind of struggling. Like Niehaus was great to work with, and although I don't think mm-hmm. I did very much for his program <laughs> by being there, um, just seeing how he worked, how he interacted with all the athletes, part of his getting to know them and chatting to them the whole time. And when they come in, having fun with them, like he knew if someone didn't have fun with him, that they weren't feeling good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. certain people, he would just judge it on that. And his, his session would change on the fly. He'd have everything written out. He'd be going for certain weights. And then he'd be like, you know what? They're not feeling that today. So we're going to do this. We're going to skip this. And this is how we're going to train them. Mm. And that's, that's so great for like some teams that do have the strength and conditioning coach that does stuff like that but then you have so many programs out there where you don't have that connection or the trust with you know the strength and conditioning coach or the athletic training staff and so like that's when it's like or or they the the problem is the coaches think that they know the most like you were saying before like they think that they know everything but it's like you don't actually have a degree in that type thing so yeah like like you were saying before like the disconnect between the if they're not working together. So it's kind of got to be like, yeah, like we're not going to improve anything with technique or strategy for sports or games like that, being a strength coach or in the weight room. But 
you know, that's where we work on just general athletic ability and the coaches, while they might have some experience with like just things that their coaches did maybe when they were younger Mm. or growing up, like, but do do they know the science behind how it works or why they're doing it other than the fact that they just did it when they were younger type of thing, you know? And so is that kind of what you saw a lot with being the, you know, swimming and then learning more and then becoming a coach? Absolutely. I mean, that's how I got into the position I was in was I did it when I was younger. You know, I, my, my email to the coaches and people that I was trying to work with was I have this experience. I did this, bring me in. But like you're saying, (laughs) I got thrown into a weight room setting. I was essentially for a while policing the weight room for the swimming because the swim coach trusted me more than the weights coach. But I didn't have a background in that. I don't have a degree. I didn't have a a coaching cert or anything to really say that I know what's going on there, Um, which probably just added to confusion, to be quite honest. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, that's like takes a lot. Like, that's awesome that you like realize that and Mm -hmm. willing to work with them, then you learn and then you become a better, you know, coach. And I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it'd be possible. Not that coaches probably should know. Like, it would... I don't know how you'd fix the, like the, just other than gaining trust and showing, um, how it actually does help when you trust, you know, the, the strength conditioning side of things. And then they trust you when they work together, um, which I think is becoming more well known that to trust the coach. But I mean, obviously still in big programs and pro sports, I mean, each coach has their own guy. They'll just bring in and fire the last one because this is their guy. And yeah, same with athletic training though. It's like, is it really you doing the best for the athlete or are you doing what the coach says? So exactly. It's kind of hard. You need to, I think they just both need to be a little bit adaptable in their program. Like a weights coach has to realize that some days their program isn't going to take priority and the swim coach at the same time or the track coach or someone has to realize that if they're hurting from a weight session, they can't just blast them the way they were going to do. So Mm. Um, a little bit give and take on each side probably. Yeah. Do you think if you had to train differently um, when you were swimming, you would be a lot better, um, have better times and everything? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I trained with some really good swimmers. Um, my little club that was like a tiny little town, we had one guy went to the Worlds and one guy went to the Olympics. Um, wow. And I trained with them for four or five years. Not saying that I was on that track to be that good. But at the time we all had ambitions to do that sort of stuff like Commonwealth games, those sort of things yeah. were our goals. Um, and I just, I would say to a point I trained really well and then I kind of got comfortable and thought I was good. And hmm. I focused on my events that I wanted to swim. So like fifties, hundreds and things like that. And I didn't take on board the, you should probably be able to do a 200 and you should probably look at and just everything I did from nutrition and weightlifting perspective was kind of misguided my coach didn't want me to lift weights so I went and did it on my own three mornings a week with a bodybuilding coach and for eating and stuff I just went on crazy random like okay I'll cut fat completely out of my diet this month like let's see how that goes and swam like crap so you're just experimenting and trying to figure out yeah um so, yeah, I, I, I do think there was potential to be better there, um, but shit happens. Mm. So. True. Yeah, it was just interesting because, yeah, I just I, – like, we were talking to Patrick recently and he was just talking about the fact that he thinks that maybe if he trained a little bit differently, he could um, 
have improved his times and I was thinking like just like similar with me and my body if I had to train differently differently or know what I knew now you know um I feel yeah. like I could have I mean nothing changed yeah nothing things. is any like no any coaches or anything like that it's just oh, yeah just like the feeling of knowing sciencey what you know now and I was I was just like you like coach I mean they'd even be like so how are you feeling today and I'm like yeah I'm fine when I was literally couldn't swim anything you know I'd be dead by Wednesday and then when I really should have been like yep probably should maybe take it a little bit easier and rest and recover so then maybe I can go harder at the next practice instead of just be completely dead the whole week and so I don't know I just feel like me personally like you know uh um I can't think of his name right now uh anyways the one swimmer he's younger and he does um just like an hour and a half a week with his dad isn't that michael andrew uh, or somebody yep 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 michael andrew I don't, yeah i won't blank down his name but like mm, he just trains beast. i think an hour yeah and he trains like an hour and a half with just that's it per day mm. i think if i would go back i mean i don't know what would happen but i think if i would train maybe like i said like just in a super intense practice like that it'd be interesting to see the difference not that i know if i'd do better or worse but i mean I don't know. I know I probably wouldn't be as dead. So, but yeah, I think like Grace has, we've had another podcast about just the overtraining um, and just the demands of an athlete um, in the NCAA setting and how, I mean, even if like you have to take into account of stress on the body as well when exams come along and all that, which we did pretty well, but I don't know how, how did your, like, was it, did you lay off at all in that with yours? And what about you? Like we did at Eastern, what about you, Kevin, at, um, New York. Um, I mean, we got, I think it was like the last week of finals week kind of off. That was about it. Yeah. Um, they were, they were okay in managing it. It wasn't terrible, but like you say, like I had no, if you'd asked me at that point, I wouldn't have known that stress of exams or stress of anything else yeah, could actually affect me. I was like, yeah, but phys- <laughs> physically I'm fine. Like I can jump in yeah. the water and swim. Yeah. Um, as an athlete, I would say I was really good at putting stuff out of my head. Like my coach was always trying to get us to with swimming. It was like a visualizing thing. He he was big yeah. on getting us to visualize the races and put everything else out your head. Get up on the block and just do what you got to do. And mm. he was quite happy that I was able to do that. But it's probably just because I didn't care too much about my studies at the time. So it was <laughs> a little a little bad. So that helps. Um, what about you? Yeah, I, th- I feel like we did a pretty good job. Like our coaches were always. Um, you know, telling us if we needed to, like coming exam week. I think they actually even got to take like a week off generally. Not off, off, but like off hard practices or whatever. They were pretty good about that. But again, if I had known a little bit more, I feel like I would have benefited from actually taking the time off rather than just going crazy and not, not thinking, okay, we don't have a team practice, then oh, I'll just go shoot for an hour and a half yeah. every day. Like, <laughs> And I mean, I mean, that's the thing too, because like coaches, like we were saying, they do more strategy and stuff like that. But um, realizing that this, the stress of practices, even at what they're doing, like they have to kind of take on that strain conditioner role a little bit then and see, oh, my athletes, you know, worn down. Maybe we should back off both and then communicate with the coaches. Because I mean, that's, I think, something that's, I mean, good coaches can do it, but it's not often seen. Um, yeah. Or again, noticed of how much stress and all that can take take effect on the body true true so what would you say i mean you kind of named off a few such as the nutrition and um stress and stuff but is there anything else you'd say that you know now that you didn't know back then and um, that you say would make a massive difference in your training as an athlete 
the whole strength training part of it, like, like I say, I had an old school coach that didn't even want me to touch weights. She was of the opinion that if I lifted weights, it would like stunt my growth and I wouldn't like literally that was her thinking. And it was like, no, you can't do that yet. You can't do weights until you're 18 years old. Like this, this, this. People still believe that here. Apparently. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a thing yeah, we, that yeah. people think. Someone said we, to, yeah, we, someone said to us. We talked with the, the American football team here and then <laughs> they brought up the whole stunt the growth thing. And it was like, it was just crazy. Just but, the, yeah. but yeah, I mean, when I was in high school, the stuff I did was like circuits. So it was like we would go into a, an old mm. gym hall and do step ups for a minute. And then you'd move <laughs> to the next circuit. You do press ups for a minute. Then you do sit ups for yeah. a minute. Like if, if I actually knew about building strength and doing strength training, like squats, deadlifts, different stuff like that, not necessarily like crazy power lifts when I was that year, like 16, 17, and then onwards. And I'd actually built a good foundation of strength before I finished swimming. I think it could have been ridiculous. Um, yeah. And I, I, th- I think that would just be the, the main thing that I would focus on if I was to go back and do it all again. I, nece- I wouldn't necessarily take an stress management or all this sort of stuff. But if I could have a legit strength coach and, and really build that, I think it would improve a lot of stuff. True. So did you, you not have one at all in – uh, at your college? Uh, not really. We had, no, we got put into the weight room with our assistant coach my first year. And he was cool. Cause he had swam at Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic university. Like he was a good swimmer. Oh, yeah. He'd done weight coaching, but he wasn't certified in anything. He was just like, we're going to run through this circuit. Then we got the, the baseball kind of strength coach. And he spent 40 minutes doing like cat dogs and, uh, fire hydrants and things like that and i would just get so frustrated with it um and in the end we were just kind of left it was like hey we have an hour to go in the weight room here's kind of what you should yeah. do and go do it yeah. um so it was at least i had access to a weight room at pace when i was in my teenage years it was non-existent until i took it upon myself and went and did it so um yeah yeah that would have i could have helped <laughs> Uh, what about uh, you? Have any advice in general you'd say for athletes that are aspiring to be or go over the college college system in the U.S.? Don't. Uh, no, <laughs> I think they <laughs> <laughs> changed mind there. Um, I would just make sure you have a good relationship with your coach. Um, which, I mean, is difficult too because Communi- coaches communication probably coaches tend to leave anyway. So true. In the smaller schools, even in bigger schools, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sport. I mean, the overall advice is, I, w- I would look at yourself seriously and kind of see where you are. Because, like I say, I went to pace, still in my head thinking like Commonwealth Games, Olympics. I'm going to come back for trials and do all this stuff. Um, yeah. And when I came over here, it really was just like a a weird realization that like, Hey, I'm like D2 in America. I'm not like Olympic standard right now. Like that's not, not anywhere close. And when you come over here, you're such a small part of it. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy. So I think just take it into account that like, if you're a D2 athlete, cool, you've got your school paid for. That's kind of good. You should aim to do well at your conferences and everything else, but like focus on what's around you and you're actually, your education that you're getting instead of mm. 
like having these weird dreams that like in four years you're you're going to be done and you kind of need a plan for that because if you're at that yeah. level even if you're a d1 level if you're a lower d1 and there's no way you're going to a higher higher league like you should be prepared for that True. and that's i don't know it's, it's hard to prepare for because you're yeah you're looking at it at the time like you don't want to be unmotivated in the middle of your college career and be like well i'm just here for two more years and then i'm done so it doesn't really matter what i do um yeah but it's it, just it finding is, a balance it is hard to get to that fourth year and suddenly realize like oh shit like I have like half a yeah. year left of this. So True. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean I can yeah, I can kinda relate. Not that I ever thought I was gonna go to the Olympics or anything like that, but just <laughs> having swimming as like your main thing and then getting close to the end and then having hard to motivate yourself because it's like you know, you're done and then like real life comes and that's what you really have to focus on. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that is a good point. Um Yeah, I definitely struggle with that a lot. Like well, you, you, know, had, thinking, you had visions of going and playing pro, right? Yeah. I mean, I was... Offers. <laughs> yeah, I was... My, my whole, like... Pretty much my whole life, like, growing up, I was just athlete, 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 like, just focusing on basketball. And, I mean, I always... I always did well in school and, tr- like, tried as hard as I could. And, I mean, um, yeah, had good grades and everything, but I just was never really thinking that I was going to have to start my actual real life so soon and then that's the thing like with yeah injuries you can just get cut off straight away you know yeah. just like that so yeah being i guess making sure that you do have that backup or that yeah you do take your education seriously especially in college is something well, that's really important that's like a good point even if even if you are good enough to go pro you know unlike mm. me and you like, <laughs> where, uh, she was uh like you still you never know so you just i mean you can have your dreams and you i mean maybe it isn't a dream and it's going to be a reality but still have some sort of backup but i guess unless you're going to be drafted and you know that NFL or NBA or MLB in first round and two, and then then you can argue a little bit. But I mean, if you're not going to be like one of the stars and pros, you can still go do your dream and stuff. But also, yeah, take education seriously because mm. you know there's so much more out there other than just the sport that's you know you've done your whole life, I guess. I mean, the plus so, side of what about, uh, the plus side of swimming is that you don't really want to continue doing it anyway. So, <laughs> <Yes>. yep. <laughs> if you find Four a swimmer, if you find a swimmer that still wants to, I mean, they must have had an amazing time in college, or something's wrong with them. So, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. That's that is something. I would say the one sport you maybe would do that is soccer because I don't. I feel like a soccer, a lot of soccer players still want to do it. But I feel like any sport that, that you play it for enjoyment. I don't remember yeah, the last true. time I jumped in a swimming pool for <laughs> enjoyment. <laughs> Whereas Grace would probably go shoot around after practice for fun. And it's right. a, that's it's true. A yeah. I, I, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. That's a good point. What about um, other, uh, other than like mentality and transitioning out of, or if you have anything else about the mentality of transitioning out of athletics, what about just uh, lifestyle and training and kind of how all that went? Because, I mean, <laughs> A lot of people just kind of either one let themselves go, or two they really struggle mentally with the fact that, like we were just talking about, that they, that was their thing, and now, what do they do with themselves? Yeah, I mean it is tough. I, like I say, the the sports where you can still enjoy it. So, Grace could join a pickup league and go play basketball yeah. every week wow. and kind of still facilitate that competitive side, still keep in shape with it. Um, 
for someone that wants to continue a sport like swimming or obviously like a football player can't really continue to play football. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's tough. I think you have to find something else that you kind of like that keeps you fit. Yeah. And some people find that in like marathons or triathlons or something that's a little bit competitive that they can train for. I was just fortunate that I started reading up on bodybuilding and powerlifting and enjoyed being in the weight room after. So it just, I mean, I never really stopped. As soon as I finished my season, me and this big Israeli guy that I used to swim with were just like so excited. We got to go lift weights. Um, <laughs> so, and I mean, that I can relate. In the same way, that ended up going to the point where I was training seven days a week and yeah. really like mentally would kind of go, oh shit, like I didn't train today. I don't feel good. And mm. for, like, so like for an the, obsession almost a little bit. Yeah. For the longest time it was, it was pretty bad. Not like, you know, not like crazy depressed or anything. I would just feel off the yeah. whole day. I would just, I would suddenly feel like, oh, I'm out of shape now because I didn't lift this morning. Like, mm. and I think as an athlete, again, that's just something that you kind of get to. You're like, well, I'm not at my peak fitness, so I'm not, mm. I'm not doing well. Um, yeah. Because just like if you showed up at a meet or, at a game and you didn't play your best, you would be like, all right, I need to work on this. When you show yeah. up to the gym yeah. or, or you miss it for a week. I think there's two ways. You either, you're either that kind of athlete or you're the kind of athlete that gains a hundred pounds because you don't do shit for <laughs> three years. Um, yeah. It's, it's okay. kind of the two ways it goes. So it's, it's a struggle. I think you need to find something else you enjoy, whether if you're like, I don't think I'm that competitive, but then you put me in like my career now is sales and I'm competitive. So um, even the people that don't think they are, I think you need to feed that a little bit. That's true. So what you did, um, I mean, I don't know if this was when you were still kind of more super into like the seven days a week training stuff. When you did the strong bastard nine one program, you really, I mean, you, change your physique a ton and were super committed and had everything on point so just a couple things talk about how that felt how the how your feelings were on it sustainability and nutrition and then kind of some general things about that so i guess long story short kevin got super jacked one time (laughs) super jacked not that he isn't now not that he wasn't now lost 30 pounds i wouldn't say i got jacked i got real i got real skinny (laughs) um Yeah, I mean, so to put it in perspective, I was training like seven days following a certain bodybuilder, um, and DeFranco's training was what took me out of that. So Mm -hmm. although there's no way in hell I would ever recommend this type of like dramatic cutting weight (laughs) and and all that stuff, yeah, the reading up on, like that was part of my evolution of kind of lifting was I started reading about DeFranco's stuff, and I went from this crazy seven day a week to, Hey, this guy just says four days a week, bring your training down, like, and just do it right. Intense. So, so that was great. Um, and the program was awesome. The, the fact he had a contest going at the same time and was like, Hey, if you get in like great shape with it, you can win a bunch of money. And then a guy on his, <laughs> a guy on his forum, uh, was the guy that wrote the nutrition guidelines to go on his site. And he was offering to coach 10 people in the, this for free. So I was like, all right, like, and he was like, submit an application. Let me know why you want to do it. And I just said, and I was like, look, I'm hundred percent dedicated. Like whatever you tell me to do, I'll do for 12 weeks. Done. (laughs) 
I'll run the program. I'll eat whatever the hell you want to eat. I will not have a single cheat day, um, <laughs> which pretty much fucking happened. And so although the, the program was great and it was a huge part of the evolution of my training to where I then got into five, three, one and everything else after that, mm-hmm. taking my training down to four days and being okay with rest days and really doing things right was great. Um, as far as the nutrition side of it, it was horrible. And I would never, ever recommend someone does that to themselves. Um, Because my my calories towards the end were like mid 15, 1400 range. That was on like a rest day. So like I had nothing to do that day too. So I was like, can't train. And I just. You're bored (laughs) in Charleston, Illinois, bored out of your mind. Can't eat food. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I started it when I was in New York and I was working. Okay camp and then i came to eiu and kind of had to finish it up um but the training demands weren't crazy and it was more just like we're going to try and keep you strong and we're going to keep the lifts up it wasn't really like a crazy like i need to build my strength and everything um and then i just i the diet was the whole part of that yeah and it was a good experience to do it but by the end i felt horrible like it was (laughs) i just pushed it too far it was yeah. 30 pounds of weight loss in a yeah. fairly short amount of time but yeah yeah what are you doing now differently and you're actually eating food a lot of food now so that's nice yeah but what do you what are you kind of running right now and nutrition wise any specific thing or just um so it's it's taken a weird twist recently so i i did five three one for like a year um mm-hmm. And then I decided I was like reading up on this powerlifting coach and my numbers were doing well, but I was like, I, I want to get an actual coach to kind of see what I can push to. So I have Kyle Hunt, Hunt Fitness coaching me right now. Okay. Um, and that's been going well. I think a lot of the weights I've been lifting have just been a sort of knock on effect from doing five, three, one. Like I did so much sub max work and never really pushed myself to see what I could do that. Everything I've been doing with this guy is like, oh, we're going to do RP8 today. We're going to do RP9. And like, I have no idea what that weight is for me. So I'm just like, oh, I'll put mm-hmm. 320 on the bar and see if it moves. Like, um, <laughs> And so it, that's been going really well. As far as nutrition goes, I've just been trying to eat enough. Um, I'm yeah. doing a powerlifting meet in November. So okay. I'm going to compete at 198. And I'm currently like between 197 and 200. So I have no real reason to lose any weight or do anything with my nutrition. Yeah. So I'm literally just eating enough protein, making sure I have carbs and my fat is relatively high anyway. Cause I eat nothing but like beef and eggs for my protein. So, um, I haven't like, I've gotten away from tracking in the last month or so. Like I still keep tabs on it. And if I have a low day, I'll track it to see what I need. But other than that, I kind of, a very regimented like oh i eat this in the morning i eat this at night and Mm -hmm. i kind of know what i'm getting so as long as my weight doesn't fluctuate too much like i don't drop i don't go too high then i'm i'm just kind of sticking with it but that's this is like the first time that i've been able to intuitively kind of track for a long time yeah and then you you want to talk about sub max training you're saying so yeah the the, the 531 stuff has just been ridiculous for me. Like like I said, the DeFranco got so me on to like the four-day. Yeah, so Jim Wendler's 531. So yeah. For, 
everyone that doesn't know this program. <laughs> yeah. So so his five three one is based off uh, roughly what you can lift as your max, and then you take like eighty percent of that, and you base all your training percentages off that, and build in cycles, and deload regularly. And I did that for the longest time. His forever book has a bunch of different templates, but it all follows the same sort of sub-maximal lifting. And your your main days are you do a day where you do five plus reps in your last set, three plus reps in your last set, and one plus rep. Um, and because you're you're focusing on the plus, I would there's days where I would go in and do my one plus weight for ten reps. And you just keep building on that. And every week or every month, it gets heavier on the percentages. And it just pushed me to the point where I was benching weight that I would maybe have done for a single before. And I was it was a one plus, so I hit it for five reps. And by doing that consistently, it just built this strength. And like for, in fairness, before I was squatting like a 405 one rep max and stuff in my training. I didn't touch 400 on a squat for two years, pretty much. So I, I, I just kept it below, and I built the strength as I went. And now I'm getting that point where this guy's like, push a single on this and see what happens, and it's flying because I just did all that work. Hmm. So I think it's interesting for, I mean, especially you guys working with athletes, the fact that you can build so much strength by not pushing crazy weight. I know all athletes want to just, like, see what they can lift, but... Yeah, well, especially at mid. I mean, like I was in your goal would probably wasn't knocked out to like mid season either. But yeah, that's that's a good point. Plus, like decreased injury risk with not pushing weight that they can't, and then yeah, just tearing them down if they have other things they have to do as well. See, so, yeah, that's that is a that's a good point. I know like Corey Schlesinger, the you know you don't know if you follow him, but he does like the micro dosing. I don't know a whole lot about that. I listen to a podcast on it once, but I think it's relatively sort of the same principle where he just does like a, like one lift of small bits per day to get the intensity in which is enough but not too much really like mind pump always says like the minimal amount of uh like exertion you need to create a change is the goal like you don't if you're if you get certain amount of if you're if you get change with 80 percent then why go above that you know like there's no point to tear you down even more yeah and i mean the the mental aspect of it too to where I was going in the gym every day and I was just like, I just need to get this work done. So this is the work. These are the weights. I lift that and it's a successful workout. Whereas before I would maybe go in and in my head, I'm like, all right, I could probably hit 275 for a triple on bench, but then I only get two reps and I come out like, oh, I failed that. Like it was, or I actually fail a, a weight. Um, yeah. But the fact I hadn't failed a weight in two plus years, now when I'm going in there and I'm benching and squatting stuff that I haven't done before I have no real sense of like oh I might fail this weight everything's yeah. moving um and that's that's huge I think it's uh it's an underrated part of lifting the fact that you haven't failed it so you don't have any sort of thoughts that you will fail a weight yeah or just like if you haven't failed you don't know how much you can do so that's kind of the nice thing about the plus reps though so like some people think if they until they fail it, they don't know I'm about to from failure or something like that because you know they might feel like they are, but then if they keep going, they might realize oh I actually had four left, yeah. whereas instead they actually only thought they had two. So that is I guess a good thing about actually going to failure at some point. But I mean obviously you're not going to do that every single time. Yeah, I mean the majority of people I recommend five three one. I'm like you should just yeah. do that for a while, and once you get to the point where that 
either stops working or you're strong enough to to think you can do something else, then go for it. But I think most people would benefit from that. And then you did a lot on just, especially with DeFranco and all that, when you got into that, I know you were doing a lot on flexibility and mobility and we're working on that a lot on yourself. And you kind of made us do it as well in swimming. You want to talk a little about that and kind of how important you realized that was and what you did yourself and to help out your training? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just important to be able to get into the positions for me. So like squatting, I needed to have looser hips, I needed to have everything set up. And when you spend a lot of time sitting, which I do now, I like to just get moving around and, and kind of stretch out. So it's, it's good for getting into the positions in your lifts, also just keeping loose. And then, I mean, I had elbow troubles when I started benching a little bit heavier. I've had a little bit of pain in my elbow. And a lot of that, apparently I went to my friend Fouche and he was working on it and he tried to get me to do three or four different exercises. So one of them was the black burns that DeFranco always recommends. Yeah. And the other one was with a PVC pipe coming over my head and stretching my lats out. And it was overhead mobility that he wanted me to work on as well. Just the fact that my elbow hurt, I thought he just needed to kind of fix my elbow, strap it together, and I'd be okay. Um, not really noticing that everything was connected. So, um, And I notice little things now, like if, if I don't roll out my glutes and my feet, then my hips will start to hurt. And, I mean, I, re I recommend DeFranco's stuff to everyone for whether it's training or mobility or everything he does, but he has like his little set warm up and there's now not a time where I won't spend like 15, 20 minutes warming up for any session I do. So that again is a big change because when I did a lot of the earlier training that I did, it was like, Hey, get in, get under the bar, do a couple squats, <laughs> then add a plate, yeah. do a couple more squats and you'll be fine. Um, and I, I, I think it's, undervalued you see most people walk into a gym and they walk towards the machine they want to start on they don't walk towards the area where the foam yeah. rollers and the lacrosse yeah. balls and stuff are and it's usually towards the dumbbell rack to do bicep curls <laughs> oh yeah that's what i always see <laughs> why not that's although i have read um the, or listened to matt wenning's new warm-up which is mostly just yeah. moving weight he's been doing a lot yeah. of grabbing the dumbbells and doing like sets of 25 rows and uh, set to 25 leg press and that's been his warm-up i can't say i think it's the best way to go but yeah it's an interesting take on it yeah that's true but yeah i mean we've talked about that a lot too just the warm-ups in general and how important they are and well, not a lot of people realize that that's another good point is there anything else that you'd say in general that you'd want to go over before the end of this any topics that you were we missed we went through a lot of stuff. I don't think it was very well organized, but uh, I rambled, <laughs> I rambled yeah, a good amount. Um, yeah, that's good. What about like your what your favorite program you've gone through, or because you you know you talked about a lot of your your transitions. Um, any one of your programs you kind of think really helped you the most, or just someone you like to follow the most, or I mean, you've already named a couple with with Wendler and. DeFranco the I mean the main transition for me was DeFranco I think yeah I think with anyone that gets into fitness they they find someone they relate to or they like 
and they go all in on that one person and everything they say yeah. is kind of, this is right. This guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Based on one guy, yeah. And if you go year to year and that's your opinion is like, oh, this guy's right. He's still right. He's still right. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. Um, I think yeah. every every six months to a year, you should have a little realization like, oh my God, I was fucking doing that. Like, what is, <laughs> what, what yeah. is wrong with me? And that, the biggest one of that was DeFranco for me. Like I was going from, I did like a squat everyday program, which I mean, it helped to a point I did. I got into weightlifting. I got into a lot of, of different stuff. But like I say, it was pretty much an addiction of like seven days a week. I'm all on this yeah. lunges that you remember. Um, and then DeFranco was just like, no, like why the fuck would you do all this stuff? Like this yeah. is the program you need. And that led to everything else that I've been doing. Like, I now also listen to a lot of elite FTS stuff, which is the conjugate method, which I don't necessarily agree with as an athlete. I definitely don't agree with it. Um, I don't think having a max effort squat day would be beneficial to most athletes. And I also don't think everyone needs to work with bands or anything, but it's another interesting perspective. And yeah, I mean, the, the DeFranco change was huge, but... As far as you just need to keep looking for other sources of information because there's no one that knows it all. And yeah. as much as I got from DeFranco, I got just as much from Jim Wendler. But reading Jim Wendler's book, he's like, I recommend the DeFranco Limber 11 as my warm up. <laughs> so he's taking parts yeah. of it. Um, and then you come a Dave Tate, LEFTS, who says that you should mm -hmm. be training maximally, you shouldn't be training sub maximally. So. It's it's just a, yeah, a progression. I mean, just combining, yeah, realizing there's a lot, and that's a good point too. I've I've heard that a lot from people. Like if you look back, especially on a program that you wrote yourself, or just anything you were doing, and you're and you're like, oh yeah, like you just said, like yeah, that was great. You know, I wouldn't change a thing. Then you're probably not growing. So I was scrolling yeah, through not... Instagram the other day, like to all my old posts, and I was like, oh my god, I need to delete all this now. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's a great another great comparison with fitness in old social media posts yeah. so and even going through i mean i i listen to mind pump religiously but i don't like any of their programs so yeah it's it's like that realization that like these guys can provide a lot of value for me in this format but then you compare something else they do and you might not agree with it and if you don't agree yeah. with it you just look for other sources that no they're not saying you have to agree with it but um, just look for other sources. There's other people that are experts in different things. So, yeah, all good points. Well, thanks for getting up at uh, six a.m. or five, whatever a.m. you did, and working with this crazy time change. No problem. Then... I got a coffee early in the morning, so it's crazy. You guys are twelve <laughs> hours different. Yeah, I know. So, well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, oh yeah, if you want to shout out where you want to, everyone can follow you all your great journeys at real quick. Well, they can follow my Instagram at Scotland360, yeah. which is pretty much where I All post right. everything. There you go. Follow Scotland360, and thanks for listening. Nice talking to you guys.